I am most encouraged that we follow a God who wants to give us life and wants to bless us with fullness of life. That's why he came and that we would enjoy both him and life itself, even in the midst of trial and struggle, constraint. Nevertheless, we would be experiencing something in him that was supernatural. We've been looking over these past few weeks around this question of spiritual formation. How is it that we are changed and grow into the greater likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ, the archetypal human being who not only died for our sins, but also lived that we might know something of what it is to live and to love and to know God. Two weeks ago or so, I talked about transformed priorities and uh, how in that context we are to pursue light. And one of those sources of light was Christ himself. Not just knowing about him, but our experiencing Christ as the light of the world. Some of you will have been engaged in the wondrous privilege of raising teenagers, <laughs> uh, loving on teenagers, helping our children grow out of adolescence into adulthood. And in the context of that, you may have felt the responsibility and the challenge to help them grow and change, help them perhaps contribute to the household, uh, to clean up after themselves, perhaps dress in a way that was appropriate and to your liking, maybe just even being nice to their siblings. And from time to time we might find a bit of resistance in that. And have you ever been through one of those circumstances where as try as we might, as we trying to convince of the appropriateness things, there's just seeming unwillingness. And then all of a sudden, they meet somebody and fall in love. And suddenly, there's a change. Suddenly, as much as we tried to get, get them to clean up, they were creating a space that was as clean as anything. They were dressing differently. <laughs> uh, all because of the impact of this person in their lives. It's good for us to ponder this question of what really changes us. In one of our readings we have this interaction between Jesus and some of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the days. And at one level he's commending them in their pursuit of knowledge. But with that comes a judgment. Because they pursued knowledge, they memorized scripture, they counted words vast portions of scripture they would be able to quote for you, and yet they missed God. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, Jesus says, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. In a similar fashion, James reminds us that knowing and even believing scripture doesn't change us. He says this, you believe that there is one God. Good. Even the, the demons believe that and shudder. The devil knows the truth of God and the truth of his word, but it doesn't change him. He's unwilling to yield to the revelation in a way to respond relationally in love. 
recently got the joy of seeing our, uh, our grandson learn to ride a bike. You know, he'd seen his friends riding bikes. He wanted to ride a bike and um, knew something about the mechanics, but there was a fear in him. Until such time as he took a risk, we let go, and he went with it. And suddenly the experience of riding alone, the freedom that came with that, changed him. And it's fascinating watching a child, once they get a taste for this, once they get over the hump of fear, how suddenly they, they just want to ride a bike. And it's like riding a bike. <laughs> and uh, just the joy that came in doing that. I want you to pause and just reflect a little bit upon your own journey in faith uh, with the Lord. To pause and remember how perhaps the Holy Spirit has revealed an aspect of Jesus and his nature and character in a way that led you to encounter him, not just to hear about him, but to actually meet him. And how that brought about change in your life. Perhaps you sensed and were awed by the love of God expressed through Christ upon the cross. And something in that experience made you more loving of others. Perhaps you were touched or broken by his mercy. The generosity in giving forgiveness. And that caused you to want to become a more forgiving person. Maybe you were moved as you pondered and reflected upon his great compassion for people, for those on the fringe of society. And that made you more caring of people in a similar situation. Perhaps just being accepted as you are, received into the family of God, loved by a father. And this in itself made you want to be more accepting. Ponder that experience. Early on in my Christian life, I had an experience where the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation of Christ in his suffering, but more than anything, in his great love for me upon the cross. And it was as if I was looking at Christ in his sufferings. I couldn't see his face, but I could see his torso and the sheer agony upon his body. And in that moment, I was touched in a profound way by the love of a father, so much so that it uh, it shook me, it uh, it changed me. It actually caused me to weep. In fact, to bawl my eyes out. I was racked with sobs as uh, God began to touch me and uh, give me an experience of the Father's love in a way that was revolutionary to me, healing transforming. It became a reference point in my spiritual journey and hopefully set my heart free to open myself to loving others. One thing we learn from the scriptures is that sheer belief and obedience, though necessary, are insufficient for transformation. We become more like him, not just as we hear about him, but as we encounter him as we relate and respond to him, the one who is alive and who mediates his presence and relates through his spirit. Let's face it, if teaching alone, conferences, resources, 
camps, mission trips, all of these things did the job, then we'd have the most pure, undefiled church there ever had been. But sadly, when we settle for mere believing and obeying, uh, it's insufficient. I want us to look a little bit at this story of the ten lepers and how this reinforces to me the critical uh, experience of our relating to Jesus. Now we've heard of how these ten lepers cried out to the Lord from a distance because they were unclean and asked for his healing. They believed they came to him for healing. And he told them to go to the priest as the law commanded and that in the going they were healed. I want you to imagine that you're, you're at the temple in Jerusalem and here come nine of the ten lepers, no longer lepers, but healed and cleansed. In fact, the, pri the priest, as his role was, declared them as now restored into the community life of Israel. And there's the family and friends, they're gathered around, they're excited at this amazing miracle that has taken place. And many of the nine are still there in shock, wondering what has gone on. And perhaps a, a likely conversation when asked, do you believe that Jesus heals people? What might they say? Well, of course, sure, we believe. When asked, what brought you to Jerusalem? They might say, well, Jesus told us to do that. And the law demands it, so we obeyed. Now, genuine discipleship must include these two aspects of belief, trust, and obedience. But it's insufficient, if not also aligned with a loving relationship with the one who is the author and finisher of our faith. He writes the story and he brings it to completion. So what we also need is a transforming encounter in fact, encounters with Jesus. Right belief and right behavior. And sadly, very often, these are the things in the church that we tend to argue and fight over and even divide. These are not the things that transform us into the likeness of Jesus. What the, what the Samaritan leper did uh, or demonstrated was the importance of them relating with Jesus. Where beliefs that are grounded in the scripture come alive by his spirit are as we give thanks and as we yield to him as Lord and Saviour, as the one who is the living word, the word that was with God in the beginning, but the word which has now taken flesh, become human, and actually moved into the neighborhood, as Eugene Peterson likes to say in the message. We're invited to walk in his light and reveal that light to the world. So in that sense, the great commandment, the call to love God uh, with all heart, soul and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves are the things that empower the great commission to go and make disciples, other followers of Jesus who would learn from us and be taught by us. I want to give us a little experience of this right now and just invite the Lord to speak and minister to us as we practice this truth, this reality of an invitation to encounter Jesus. 
You may like to close your eyes, but I want you to um, imagine that we're standing in the midst of this scene. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you in this moment. To show you something of his heart, perhaps of his disappointment and sadness. He did not hope that all ten would return with thanks to him. What might Jesus be feeling in this moment? Ask him to show you that you would meet with him in this moment. Now when Jesus asked that question, he wasn't asking a, a rational question. He knew that all ten were healed. It's a bit like God when he turns up in Genesis 3 and he says, where are you, Adam? He's not looking for information. He knows full well. It's a relational question. Why have the other nine not returned? Again, the disappointment in Jesus. And as something of that is revealed by the Spirit to you, share with him how you feel in response to what he is feeling. Perhaps you might talk to him in the quietness of your own heart and Share how your heart is moved with sadness because of what he experienced. Remember, the Samaritan was the one who returned. He was the foreigner. He was the least likely we might imagine. And here and again is another likely example. If the one is identified as a Samaritan, there's a good chance most, if not all, of the other nine were Jews, authentic uh, people of God. And these were the ones who rejected him, who walked away, who didn't return to give thanks and relate to Jesus directly. Another example of his own people rejecting him. As John says, he came to his own people and even they rejected him. of our hearts as we ponder the God who loves us so profoundly, loved his people and yet was rejected by them, ultimately crucified. How do we feel? Do we meet with him in that place? Do we connect with empathy and care towards him? We must choose a lifestyle of longing to relate to Jesus. A bit like his friend Mary, who chose, as he described it, that which is better to come and to sit at his feet and to listen to his teaching. This Samaritan, too, longed to be with Jesus. A life empowered by the Spirit must be chosen, must be embraced, in fact, must be sought after. Because we don't just fall into this, stumble across it, come to church one day and walk out suddenly um, embracing the spirit-filled life or maturity itself. Or even begin to fulfill some of our life purpose that God has given to us. But rather, it's something we're invited to pursue, to seek after, to eagerly desire, 
with all the grace that God provides. It takes me to the words of the psalmist. In Psalm 42 we read, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you long to meet with us. Thank you that you're Emmanuel, the God who is with us, but the God who wants us to hear his voice, to live a life yielded, surrendered to his will, knowing that in that is life itself. Deepen our hunger for you, Lord God, we pray. Open our eyes more and more to the reality of who you are. May we encounter you in our worship, in our reading of scripture, as we walk around the beauty of your creation, as we fellowship with one another. Lord, in all these places and more, may we encounter you. May our hearts be touched by you. May we revel in the reality of a relationship restored to you that lasts now and for all eternity with you and with the Father. And in this, may we be changed from one degree of glory to the next. Lord, we love you and we hunger for you, Lord. We thirst for your presence more and more. Come meet with us, Lord. And may we be like that leper, full of rejoicing, full of thanksgiving, full of wonder, of a God of such power, but of such mercy, who desires the very best for all of his children. Touch and change our hearts, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name.